One more round of applause for VBS. Oh, it's a great thing. It's also Father's Day. It was already mentioned. So happy Father's Day, everyone in the room. Um, being a dad is a... Uh, it's an interesting thing. I've been thinking, I've been going over my year, just reflecting on the year. How'd I do? How'd we do as a family? If you don't know me, that is my family right there. So that's Heidi, the soccer mom. Jacob, it's the tall one there with the medal. Nathan is the champion. And little Simon is down there at the end. So I was thinking about just this past year being a father and some of my happy father memories, or at least memories of being a dad. And uh, one particular memory stands out. So we were at Ocean City, New Jersey last year, uh, traditional summer vacation. We go there every summer. And I don't know how it started or when it started, but my son Jacob um, suggested that he was faster than me. Well, Jacob, there's no possible way that <laughs> you're faster than me. I'm sorry. I thought that would be a quick conversation. We'll end it right there. And No, it just kept, you know, the chirping. He just kept talking about it. No, I'm faster than you, Daddy. Dad. Um, no, Jacob, you know, I hate to break it to you, but you're not faster than me. So this kept going on and on throughout the week. And um, he would go around and talk to the other family members. And it turns out that everybody else in the family was on Jacob's side. They were on Team Jacob. Jacob is faster than dad, except for Simon. That's right. Simon was the one who held out, and he said, no, daddy is faster than Jacob. So this went on for the rest of the week, and then it was Friday morning, and I figured we needed to settle this. And so we headed down. I don't know if you've been to Ocean City, New Jersey before, but there's this really nice turf field between 6th Street and 5th Street. It's the high school football field. And a lot of people go there in the morning to work out, and it's a really nice place to play games and things. And so we went down there, and we had to decide on the distance. And so we decided that it would be end zone to end zone, so a hundred yards race. And, uh, you know, there's some people there, and they're seeing what's going on, the father-dad, uh, father-son race, and so people are watching a little bit, and um, Jacob and I line up, and we have some cameras out, and uh, ready, set, go. And there's a picture, I don't know if you have it. Oh, yeah, there it is. Um, Okay, so that's the end of the race. Uh, now, the point was probably a little much, right? Why the point? But I saw Simon out of the corner of my eye, and I wanted to make sure Simon knew that, yes, he was right all along. So the race is over, and I'm feeling pretty good about myself. And um, I don't know, did you ever, people are cheering, and um, I don't know where this came from, but it was uh, who's next, right? Who's next? Like, who else wants to race me? And my nephew, Andrew, was there, who, if you don't know, is a star soccer player, star track and field athlete, faster than I ever was in my entire life. And he said, I'll race you. And I said, yes, you know. <laughs> and so, but I was feeling good. And so I remember I'm walking back to the starting line, and there's this couple, and they're walking too, and they're hand in hand, and they're about my age, he's about my age, um, husband and wife, and this wife, like, stops, and she looks at me, and this is, she is dead serious. She is telling me how... I have been an inspiration to her husband, just that I'm out here and that I'm running and that I'm still in shape at this age. Of my, I don't know. She was going on and on. I thought I saw a little tear in her eye. Like she, she, was, she, she said something like, just know that you have inspired us and you've inspired my husband. 
like, wow, that is really something. So now we line up for this race with Andrew, and now more people are there, and more people are watching, and there's some more cameras, and I was still feeling good. And I got to about the 40-yard line, and it was like a pop. There was the pop was first, and then it, you could do, it was like a tear. But that wasn't the worst part. So I pulled my hamstring really bad, but that wasn't the worst. The worst part was I just went down. I kind of slipped and just went down face first, like into the turf. I just remember we have a video of it. It's not here. Sorry, we should have figured it out. But I just know uh, Heidi's like holding the camera. She just goes, oh, no. Oh, no. Oh, no. Walking towards me on the ground. And I can just remember laying there on the ground, my face in the turf. And I just happened to look. I didn't want to get up. I didn't know if I could get up. And I had those, like, black uh, turf things, like, spitting them out of my mouth just on the side. And I looked over, and that couple just walked past me. And she just kind of looked at me, like, (laughs) ah. <laughs> okay, so they all came over and they helped me up and somehow I got to the house and it was it was really bad. You know, there's this great line in Romans chapter 12 where the apostle Paul says this. He says for by the grace given me, I say to every one of you, do not think of yourself more highly than you ought, but rather think of yourself with sober judgment. I love that word, sober judgment in accordance with the faith God has distributed to each of you. So last week, uh, we ended a series just about the core of the Christian faith, of the core of the Mennonite tradition. And I was thinking about this story as I was sitting there listening to Pastor Carl, and he was talking about what it means to surrender our lives to God, but the first step is to have a life of humility. And so that was really important to me, to think about humility as the mark of a Christian, Uh, But the text continues. Paul writes this. For just as each of us has one body with many members, and these many, and these members do, okay. For just as each of us has one body with many members, and these members do not all have the same function, so in Christ we, though many, form one body, and each member belongs to all of the others. We have different gifts according to the grace given to each of us. So how do we humbly assess the gifts that we've been given? And how do we use our different gifts in accordance with the will of God? We all want our lives, we all want to live lives that matter. We want to live with purpose and meaning. And deep down, I think we all desire to have our faith be a part of everything that we do. But what does that look like? How do we think about and live out our calling in life? What does it even mean to be called by God? And does everyone have a calling? And I think we really need to think about this in our post-COVID world. I don't know about you, but it just seems like there's something going on. We're still recovering from that. I don't know if you've heard, there's uh, many studies about this. It's called quiet quitting, where people are showing up to work, but they're not really working. And it's because, my kids love this phrase, are you working hard or are you hardly working? (laughs) And there's a lot of people hardly working. They're just going through the motions. They're showing up, but they're not really doing anything. And statistics are at an all-time high about job satisfaction being at an all-time low. Life has become kind of blah for many of us. 
Uh, this past year, I took a new position at Lancaster Bible College called the Director of Calling and Career Development. And so for this past year, I've been having a lot of conversations with students just about what does it mean to have a calling? How would you even connect a sense of a calling by God to a potential career path that you're on? And I've had many conversations and read many books, and I've been thinking a lot about the subject. And I just wanted to pass along to you this morning some of the things that I've learned about what it means to have a calling, or what it means to be called by God, or how we begin to connect our faith and our sense of calling to everything that we do in life. It's interesting. Every time I think about calling, I think about this quote by Soren Kierkegaard. Kierkegaard, he was a Danish philosopher in the early to mid-1800s, and he has this wonderful phrase. He said, life can only be understood by looking backward, but it must be lived forward. I love that concept, and it's humbling when you think about calling. Life is lived forward, but it's understood backwards. And what's great about a room like this is a real good sermon on calling would include stories from people in this congregation who are just, they can reflect on their past, and they can see how they've lived the life forward, and as they look back, they can see God's hand in it along the way. And I think for many of us, that's how calling works. That's how meaning and purpose work. We live our life forward, but then we understand it backwards, and I think that's really helpful. But I do have a few things to say about what it might look like for us to live our life forward. And they even have hand motions, which is just fantastic. As we live our life forward, I think there are three steps we can, help, we can take to help clarify our calling in life. And I should say this, that I got these three steps or these three phrases from Timothy Keller, who is a well-known pastor in New York City who just passed away a few weeks ago. It's very sad. Um, but he left a tremendous influence behind him, especially on my life. And so I heard in a sermon in 2001, um, wait, how old were you in 2001? No, I'm just kidding. Um, But I heard this sermon in 2001, and these phrases have stuck with me. So here's what we're going to do. We're going to think about what does it mean to live out your calling or clarify your calling with some hand motions. The first hand motion is this. We're going to look up. So we're all going to go like this. Look up. Then we're going to look in. We'll do that with our thumbs. We looked in. We looked, we looked up. We looked in. And then we'll look out. All right, nice. Thank you. Look up. Look in. Look out. So the first thing we do to clarify our calling is we look up. You know, there is no calling without a caller. And I think that's really important for us to think about. There is no such thing as having a calling unless there is someone who calls us. I think that's a distinctively Christian way to think about it. You know, there was, uh, years ago, there was uh, commercials about uh, Monster.com, I think it was, for jobs. And it just said something like, your calling is calling. It was this basic, no, there's no such thing as a calling without a caller. Your primary calling in life is, is first and foremost to God, to the one who calls you. We can think of that first call from Jesus as, follow me. And we live a life of obedience from there. The first call is from the caller. It's from Jesus. And he says, follow me. Before you are called to something, you are called to someone. We are called to God first. But then there's another sense about looking up that I think is really important. As we look up, we need to think about the story that shapes our life. The story that gives our life meaning and direction, and shape. 
everyone lives life based on some story um, that gives our life meaning. I've shared this quote up here before, but it's one of those quotes that I just think about all the time, and it was really helpful and clarifying. It's by Alistair McIntyre. And Alistair McIntyre is a well-known philosopher. He teaches at uh, Notre Dame, and he wrote a really important book called After Virtue. And he has this quote in the book, and rarely does a day go by I don't think about this quote because it was so clarifying to me. Alistair McIntyre says this, I can only answer the question, what am I to do, if I answer the previous question of what story do I find myself a part I love that. You can only begin to answer this question of what are you going to do with your life if you take a step back and you answer this prior question of what story do you find yourself apart. And Alistair McIntyre knows, and this is what the Bible says, it's not whether or not you live your life based on a story, it's which story is going to give direction and shape to your life. Wendell Berry, the farmer poet from Kentucky, he says this, The significance and ultimately the quality of the work we do is determined by our understanding of the story in which we are taking part. So part of looking up is we connect to God, first and foremost, that's our primary calling to the one who calls, to to nurture an intimate relationship with him. But then also we look up to orient our life around the biblical story. And I think we have to do that. And if we don't do that, we make two mistakes when it comes to calling. If we're not allowing the biblical story to be the true story that shapes our life, we can sometimes make two mistakes. Here's the first mistake. We sometimes think that calling, having a calling, is something that's reserved for pastors or missionaries or professional Christians. And we certainly need professional Christians. I am kind of one. Um, We need pastors and missionaries in this world, and they certainly are called. That is a legitimate calling. But I don't think that's the only calling that you can have. I don't think those are the only people who are called. And if you read Scripture, you'll see that, no, when you're shaped by the biblical story, everyone has a calling in life, not just professional Christians. This is what a lot of the Reformation was about. It's not just professional clergy who have a calling, but we all have a calling on our life. So that's one mistake we sometimes make. Um, The second mistake that we sometimes make with calling is we think that calling is this specific thing. It's like this niche thing that you have to discover and that you might miss. People talk about missing their calling as if somehow God up there has called him, has called you to him. And then he just takes a step back and he looks around and says, you know, there's something really specific that I want you to do, but you're going to have to figure it out. You're going to, and don't mess up, and don't choose the wrong thing, but see if you can get it right. When we're shaped by the biblical story, we see a God who calls us to himself, who nurtures an intimate relationship with him, who walks with us wherever we go. God's not trying to hide something from us. In fact, Jesus simplifies the whole notion of calling. It's not, only e- it's not always easy to live out, but he makes it pretty simple and very clear. And in 30 seconds, everyone in this room is going to know with 100% certainty God's will for your life. That's a big promise. It's a big day. It's Father's Day. Here's the promise. Everybody's going to know it. It's this. Jesus said this. We're to love the Lord our God with our heart, soul, strength, and mind. And we're to love our neighbors as ourselves. We all have the same calling to love God and to love others. And that calling is fulfilled wherever God places us. 
You can love God and love your neighbor here as a church member, as a part of this community. You can love God and love your neighbors in your neighborhoods, your actual neighbors. What does it look like to love God and love the people around you? You can begin to put this into practice tomorrow at work. Just walk in with the mindset that you're going to love God and you're going to love the people around you with whoever God brings into your life. That is the call for all, to love God and love others wherever God places you. Paul says it like this in Colossians 3. He said, set your hearts on things above. Look up. All right, so we looked up. We connected to God. Now, with the thumbs in, we're going to look in. Here's the beauty of the biblical story. Not only does God call us out of the world's story, these other stories that we might be tempted to be shaped by, but not only does God call us out of that story— into the biblical story. So he calls us out of the world story, into the biblical story, but then he gives us roles to play within this story. And then here's the beautiful thing. He gives us gifts to play our role well. Think about that. God is calling you into the biblical story. He's going to give you some roles to play, but you're not left on your own to figure it out. He actually gives you gifts to play your role well. In 1 Corinthians chapter 12, Paul's talking about the spiritual gifts. And a lot of times when Paul talks about the spiritual gifts, he talks about how we use those gifts to to, uh, build up and edify the church. And he's saying that to some degree here, but he uses a phrase at the end of this that I don't want us to miss. Paul says it like this. There are different kinds of gifts, but the same spirit distributes them. There are different kinds of service, but the same Lord. There are different kinds of working, But in all of them and in everyone, it is the same God at work. Now, to each one, the manifestation of the Spirit is given for the common good. I love that phrase, that God would give us gifts for others, for the common good. Peter says it like this in 1 Peter. Each of you should use whatever gift you have received to serve others as faithful stewards of God's grace in its various form. Whatever gift God has given you, you can use it to serve others. And the church is a great community, a great place to start to discover the gifts that you've been given. For some of you, you're musically gifted, and that's fantastic, and you get to exercise those gifts here and in the community. Some of you are theatrically gifted. Some of you are athletically gifted. How can we use our athletic giftedness in a way to honor God and love others? Some of you are mathematically gifted, and that's fantastic, because I'm not at all. Some of you have leadership gifts. You've been gifted with leadership potential. Uh, Connected to our classroom, we could think about some of you are very good with students, You have teaching gifts. Some of you are good with finances, sales, marketing. You have business gifts. Some of you are good with people. You're a good listener. You have counseling or social work or ministry gifts. Maybe your gifts are in communications and media arts or worship and performing arts. Maybe you have a strong sense of justice. You have criminal justice gifts. Maybe your gifts are in physical education and in healthcare management. Okay, those are all the majors at Lancaster Bible College. <laughs> That's how I got the list. Um, but I think they also commit, they connect with some people in this room in some way. Um, but here's the thing. Just think about all of the gifts that are in this room. Think about the way God has, has blessed the people here. Just take some time maybe today to reflect on, God, how have you gifted me? And how can I use those gifts? 
in the service of others. I think we got a great picture of that at VBS this week. Over 70 people come to help. And we're not putting everybody in the same job. We're assessing, well, where could God best use them with kids? And that's really important. Oz Guinness wrote a, a great book on this subject called The Call, Finding and Fulfilling the Central Purpose of Your Life. And yes, that is the same Guinness family. Um, he is the great, great, great grandson of Arthur Guinness of the Guinness Brewing Company. Um, but he says this, God normally calls us along the line of our giftedness, but the purpose of giftedness is stewardship and service, not selfishness. That is why our gifts are always ours for others. I love that phrase, that God would give us gifts. They are, they're our gifts in some way, but they're not our gifts for ourselves. They would be our gifts for other people. Could you think about the gifts that God has given you, and how could they be yours for others? I think that's just a good stewardship principle in general, as you think about all the ways that God blesses us. Yes, in some ways we own things, kind of. Yes, in some ways things are ours, kind of. But we trust that everything that we have is a gift given to us from God, uh, and we want to be good stewards of that gift. And I just love that phrase, um, they're ours for others, everything that we have, and especially the gifts that we've been given. So we look up, connect to the one who calls you, orient your life around the biblical story. We look in, what are your gifts and talents? How have you been designed by God? And then we look out, what are the needs of the world? And where are the needs great? Frederick Buechner, well-known novelist, you maybe heard this quote before. He says this, The place God calls you to is the place where your deep gladness and the world's deep hunger meet. I love that. The place that God is going to call you is the place where your deep gladness and the world's deep hunger meet. Or another way to say it would be this. The place God calls you is the place where your gifts and the needs of the world meet. Think, where is the light of Christ needed? How can I join God using my gifts to be about redeeming what has been lost? How can I be salt and light wherever God places me? We look up to God. We look into our gifts. We look out to the needs of this world. I think that fits really well with our mission here as a church, to enjoy God, to love each other, to bless our neighbors. We enjoy God, we look up. We love each other well when we call out the gifts we see in each other. That's one of the best ways we can love the people in this room is to just get to know them well enough to point out things that they do well, the gifts God has given them, and then providing a place to use those gifts, either here as a church or to use those gifts to bless our neighbors. So I just have a few reflection questions for us, or a few ways to, to think about this in our own lives. First, individually, there's some individual reflection that we could do. Where are you in this process? Not up, in, or out? For some of you, for some of us, maybe it is that first step to just maybe for the first time, connect with God, to nurture a relationship with him, to know the one who calls. 
Maybe it's looking in, assessing the gifts that you've been given. Maybe it's looking out. How can I use my gifts in the service of others? I also think that's individual. I also think this is a fantastic way to, to think about this collectively or as a community. It doesn't have to just be about you and what you're going to do, but think about the community in this room. Where are we as a people? How can we maybe think more deeply about what it means to take the gifts that we've been given and connect with our neighbors and serve them? So there's a few quick questions. Do you have uncertainty or even anxiety with your career path? Maybe that's for this part of the room right here. I'd say first, nurture an intimate relationship with God. Pray. And I know that's always the answer at the end of a sermon. Pray more. <laughs> uh, but maybe that's the first step, to just, to just nurture this intimate relationship with God. In John chapter 15, Jesus says it like this. I am the vine, you are the branches. Those who remain in me and I am them will produce much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. So you can't do anything without being connected to the vine, without being connected to Christ. So that would be the first step. Have you given an honest assessment of your gifts, talents, strengths, and weaknesses? Ask for help. Talk to friends, mentors, pastors. Get a sense of the gifts that God has given you. And then for the last, for the lookout question, I just have this. This is helpful to me anyway. What is motivating you right now as you think about how you're living out your faith or connecting your calling to your career? It's just life in general. What is actually motivating as you think about your career or your future career path? Is it wealth or wisdom? Is it your desires or the needs of this world? There's another really good book called Redeeming Work. And the author has a phrase that he uses about calling that for me was a game changer. I never thought about it quite this way, but I really like how he talks about calling. And he says this, A calling is not a thing to be found or discovered once and for all, after which you ride off happily into the sunset. Rather, a calling is built I love that phrase. A calling is built. Discerning and living a calling are ongoing processes, a lifestyle of striving to serve faithfully while also looking for new ways to use your gifts within God's kingdom. As Christians, our earnest prayer is for our life story to sync with God's larger story. That means orienting to the grand narrative of Scripture and embracing our role as Christ's ambassadors to other people and to the rest of creation. A calling is not necessarily something that's found or discovered, but it's built. Okay, last thing. In conclusion, I have a caution. Beware of a trap. We've been talking about how to live our lives for God, and it is easy for many of us to start to think that you have to do these things in order to earn God's approval. You don't. The good news of the gospel is that Jesus has already accomplished everything we would ever need to be connected to and loved by God. And this is so freeing. You will never do enough. You can't. You will never be perfect. He was and is. We start by putting our trust, our hope, our faith in him, believing that what he accomplished we could never do. 
At Jesus' baptism, there's these words that I think we sometimes miss. It's in Matthew 3. And John is baptizing Jesus, which shocked everyone to begin with. And then we have these words. As soon as Jesus was baptized, he went up out of the water. At that moment, heaven was opened, and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and alighting on him. And a voice from heaven said, This is my Son, whom I love. With him I am well pleased. Love comes first. Jesus is fully loved by God before he does anything. Being God's beloved comes first. We don't have to do any of this. We get to. Secure in the Father's love for us. To live a life before the face of God. Known and loved. Accepted and embraced. Put your life in his hands. Look up. Look in. Look out. Let's pray.